All of us have been hurt when offering ourselves to someone else that we wanted to offer ourselves to without reservation. Uh, We leaped before we really knew whose arms we were, in a sense, leaping into. From that moment on, there's been an awareness, a fear, a hesitancy to be all in because we've experienced being all in and we've been hurt. Uh, Some of that hesitancy is uh, hardwired into us because really some of us from day one uh, lived in a home or situation where being all in, all it got us was uh, hurt. Uh, For some of us that took place in kindergarten, Uh, for some of us that took place with that first boyfriend or girlfriend, Uh, for some of us it took place at that promising job, we had made it that far, we had tried to be all in, and all of a sudden we find uh, the rug fold out from underneath us and we're hurt. Uh, For some of us, that was in our first marriage uh, at a church. Uh, We all have a story of leaping without knowing whose arms, in a sense, we're leaping into. And it's different for all of us. And I'm not really sure if it's better to uh, get a lot of life underneath your belt, if you will, and then all of a sudden discover that, or to know that from early on. Uh, For me, it was a surprise Uh, I grew up in a home where it was pretty stable, pretty easy. Uh, These were the good old days when it was just me before those interlopers. My brother and sister came on the scene, and uh, life was sweet. Life was good. And, uh, you know, again, I grew up in a place where uh, it, was, it was easy to be all in. I, I, didn't, I didn't even understand why someone would have any hesitancy to be all in. And uh, it just was just there. And uh, my brother, when he decided to come along, it was during the blizzard of 1969. And this is some of the aftermath of that. And uh, so when uh, Jeff was ready to be born, it meant that uh, we couldn't get there on our own. The VW bug that my parents had wasn't going to get them to the hospital in Beverly, Massachusetts. So uh, they had to ride in one of these. And I had to ride in one of those, and my father was going to drop me off at my Uncle Dick and Aunt Dolores's. Those were just good friends, and so the ambulance came to pick us up, and we started on our way, and they really lived in the same neighborhood down a different road, but the roads were so bad that the ambulance driver wanted to wait at the road and have my dad walk me in. And I can remember, I can remember this, I'm three years old, and I can remember it being dark and cold and uh, windy and the uh, snow hitting my face and all of that kind of thing, and, and, being, and being honestly a little bit afraid. And so my dad got out, and the snow was deep, deeper than me to walk in, and he picked me up and put his jacket around me, pulled me in real tight, I was warm, the sound of the howling wind uh, was fainter, and I felt like I was in a great place, even though there was a storm going on all around us. So we walked uh, three or four houses in, and uh, the next moment I knew he was opening his jacket, and there was my Uncle Dick, my Aunt Dolores, and, uh, you know, at the door, ushering me into their house, and then my dad trudged his way back to the ambulance, and then, I don't know, a few hours later, Jeff was born. The reason I want to tell you that story, and the reason I want us to think about storms and take a look at Peter's life, is as a pastor, my hope 
is that as we learn to be all in, especially in the area of faith, we'll come to a greater understanding of whose arms we are jumping into. And as we know those arms, and we know those arms in a deeper, more fuller way, we'll find that even though there's a storm raging around us, we can be like I was at a three-year-old, close to the Father, our Heavenly Father, in there tight, zippered up. Yes, the storm is going. Yes, you're still aware of it. But there's a safety and there's a peace. And if you're a Christ follower, or if you're thinking about becoming a Christ follower, uh, once you've said yes to him, this is actually a possibility. It doesn't mean the storms won't happen. It doesn't mean there won't be crazy times, but it means you can be in that place. You can trust that place because you know where you're looking before you leap. And you're leaping into the arms of God and you can be all in. Now, when it comes to storms, we all face them. A situation where we're out of control. Now, some of us may feel, well, that, that isn't really true. I feel pretty stable right now. But the reality is that's almost like a, a false feeling. All of us, if we slow down and realize we're really not in control of too much. We're really at the mercy of the way things unfold in this world. So it's almost a false sense, and I don't want to rock your world. I don't want to make you feel nervous, but we, we all need to come to terms that there are these times, and life isn't as buttoned up as, as we think it is, as we hope it is. You see, all of us are in this one of three places. Uh, we're either in this place where we're currently in the middle of the storm. Some of us go, yes, that's me. I'm in the middle of it, and I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it raging, and uh, you know, I don't know who I can trust. I'm trying to take things into my own hands to some degree, and that's all natural. Or uh, natural, And sometimes we try to lean in and grab a hold of the Father, and he doesn't seem to be uh, doing what we think he ought to be doing, but we're feeling this storm. And then there's these times where a storm is coming, you don't even know about it. And there's one on the horizon, and, and in the next few days or next few weeks, all of a sudden, bam, you are in the middle of this storm. And again, that's not to make you feel uneasy, that's just, that's what life is. And when you and I are not expecting that or not aware of that, we're, we're ill-prepared. And again, as a pastor, I want us to be at a place where we know where to leap and we're looking before we're leaping, and we're able to leap into the arms of the Father and find peace and strength in there amidst the storm. And, and then there are those that are just walking away from a storm that has, that has blown through. You're starting to see the light at the end of the tunnel, as sometimes it's said. You're starting to see the waves and the, the storm and the wind dissipate, but you're coming on the other side of it. And, and that's where we all find ourselves. So knowing where to look, knowing where to leap, and being having a confidence and having a trust is just a fantastic thing. Now, as we've been going through this series all in, next week we wrap things up with the idea of hope. But as we've been going through this, we've been primarily looking at the life of Peter. Uh, we had some time where we looked at the Older Testament, and we've been looking at his life. And with Easter, we got a little ahead of ourselves, and now we're going back this week uh, to something that happened before the resurrection, before Jesus' death. And for many of us, it's a very familiar story, but I'd like us to read through and then draw some points out of it so that this just isn't something we go, aha, uh -huh, and we know in our mind, but we don't have it kind of falling into our heart. 
So let's begin in Matthew 14, uh, 22 through 24. As soon as the meal was finished, you remember Jesus had just fed uh, the multitudes, 5,000 plus. Uh, he insisted that the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side where he dismissed the people. With the crowd dispersed, he climbed the mountain so he could be by himself and pray. You also need to remember that earlier on, uh, he had gotten news that John the Baptist had been killed by Herod. So he, he's got some storms going on himself. Meanwhile, the boat was far out to the sea when the wind came up and the and against them, and they were battered by the waves. About four o'clock in the morning, Jesus came forward, or came toward them, walking on the water. They were scared out of their wits. A ghost, they said, crying out in terror. But Jesus was quick to comfort them. Courage, it's me. Don't be afraid. Peter suddenly, boldly said, Master, if it's really you, call me to come to you on the water. He said, come ahead. Jumping out of the boat, Peter walked on the water to Jesus. But when he looked down at the waves churning beneath his feet, he lost his nerve and started to sink. He cried, Master, save me. Jesus didn't hesitate. He reached down and grabbed his hand. Then he said, faint-hearted, what got into you? The two of them climbed into the boat, and the wind died down. The disciples in the boat, having watched the whole thing, worshipped Jesus, saying, this is it. You are God's son for sure. Think this is all a lesson for us to learn and to remember that storms are both inevitable and unavoidable. It's wise to plan. It's wise to make good decisions so that uh, we avoid some storms that we do have control in our life. But for the most part, storms are inevitable and unavoidable, and we need just to, to understand that. And when we see this story unfold, it is so crucial that the disciples are starting to really come to terms with who Jesus is. They've seen a lot of miracles. They've seen him a lot, do a lot of amazing things. They've said, heard him say amazing things. But as they start to get to understand who he is, their trust level is going to be able to grow. And so as you and I, those of us who have said yes to Christ, as we get to know God deeper and more and understand who he is, understand the Father, understand Jesus, our trust level can increase. Um, our bottom line, and we're going to build off this, is when we know who Jesus is, when we trust Jesus as he is. When we know who Jesus is, we trust Jesus as he is. And so this moment where the disciples say, you are the Son of God, that gives them the ability to trust him in a fuller, more embracing way. They're able to say, when it comes time to jump, when I need to jump into someone's arms, I know who Jesus is. I know who God is. We sang about the Spirit. I know the triune God. And because I know more and more of him, I can actually trust him. 
Luke 11, 2 is the, one of the examples of Jesus saying, this is how to pray. And I love the way Eugene Peterson uh, translates this and, and how he says it. Uh, very most of us are familiar with, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. When Eugene Peterson renders this, he says, when you pray, say, Father, reveal who you are. Set the world right. The idea is that when you and I understand, when God reveals himself, not just in an abstract way, but when he shows up in our lives, he starts setting the world right, and he starts by setting our world right, our heart right. We look at what's going on all around us, and we're greatly heartbroken. We're disturbed. It seems like uh, this is just everything gets mutter, muddied. Uh, there's not clear whatever, and it just, it just breaks our heart. And you go, how do you engage in that? How do you uh, kind of like be a, a force for good? How do you uh, not be counterproductive to all the discussions and all the action, but be actually productive? And it, it, there's this part where, where you and I reveal see who God is, he's revealed to us, and then it starts showing up, not in just the world, but it starts showing up in one heart at a time. And as our hearts are set right, then that overflows into other hearts. It can't just be rhetoric. It just can't be statements. It just can't be posts. People actually have to see how God has revealed himself to you and how God has started to set your heart right and all the storms that are going around, and then they get a glimpse. It's a delight when someone who knows someone in the church, and this, is, this has happened a number of times, reaches out and says something like, I know this person at your church. I'm not a faith person, but I've seen what faith is doing in this person's life. Can you tell me about that? Can you explain that to me? That's an example of God revealing himself to you and your heart not being set perfect, but your heart starting to be set right, having that peace, having that trust, and then it overflows, and people you don't even know are watching your life. That's a heavy responsibility. Most of us don't like it, but people are watching your life, and they get a glimpse of the Father who's revealed himself to you, and they want in on it. They don't know what in on it is. They want to be in on something. Because they found when they've jumped all in, they found that they've gone into arms that really haven't been trustworthy. And they're starting to get an idea that they're seeing that in your life. So, first idea out of this is knowing who you are provides clarity in the storm. And you say, well, why aren't we talking about knowing who Jesus is? We have to also know who we are, but it's interesting if we were to go back and look at verses 22 and 23, and then in 30, we're going to see that Jesus has to know who he is. John the Baptist, dead, family relative. People are fed. They love Jesus. They want to make him king. Now, that's a pretty good gig. What does Jesus do? He pulls away with the Father and reminds himself who he is as he talks with God. And that gives him clarity to do what he needs to do next. Likewise, you and I need to know who we are. 
We need to ask ourselves, have I said yes to Christ? Have I really said yes to Christ? Do I know him in my head but not in my heart? And only you can answer that question. Sometimes it's hard to unfold that, untie the knots. But you need to know who you are. And that gives you clarity in the storm. I love what Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. He says, God has made us what we are in Christ Jesus. God has made us new people so that we would spend our lives doing the good things he already planned for us to do. That is full of promise. That is full of purpose. God has a purpose for us as we live our life out following Christ. As we've said yes to him, he's actually prepared things in advance. He's designed us for certain occasions, certain situations. And the more we know that, the more clarity it gives us in the storms. All of a sudden, some storms don't become storms. They're, they're like little distractions. They're like little ripples on the water. Some storms are, but we know how we respond, not how we react to that storm, has something to do with God's plan, God's plan for us and God's plan for others. So Jesus would regularly slip away, in a sense, to recharge his batteries, to spend time with God, his heavenly Father. And it would give him purpose and direction. Another time we read he slips away and he chooses the 12 disciples. There's a correlation there. He spends the whole night praying before he chooses those 12 disciples. This idea of knowing who you are in Christ gives you clarity for the storm. It helps you understand the storm. It gives meaning to the storm. Even if the meaning is just I'm in a storm and I'm somehow supposed to point to Christ in this storm. I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I'm going to jump into his arms. I'm going to have him wrap me in his arms in the storm, carry me quite close, and that is gonna, that's going to overflow and touch someone else's life because I'm not losing it in this storm. Also, we see experiencing the reality of the storm. Storms are real. These disciples were in a storm. Uh, They were far from shore. The distance from shore is a part of their storm. And because they were far from shore, they were alarmed. Uh, The idea is that they got blown off course. The idea is that they were at the deepest part. And a part of this, we'll get into this a little bit later, but the part of this was that the water was so deep there because when they would run and do their sounding tests, they never found bottom. So they thought it was bottomless. And then they put that together and people thought, if it's bottomless, this must be a gate to the underworld. So when they're out there and they're there, they are alarmed. They are scared. And uh, it's just taking their, they're far away from safety. Often you and I find ourselves in a storm, and what makes us so alarmed is that we don't have a safe place. We feel like there's no place to stand. Everything's rocky. Everything's unstable. And because of that, we're, we're alarmed. And this is the reality of the storms. It's not just like, happy, happy, happy. No, storms are real. They do captivate We don't like pretend they're not happening. They're alarming to us. Also, we see the direction of the wind. The wind was against them. There are times in life where it seems like everything is against us. 
not just one situation, this situation, this situation. They all seem to bleed into each other. And, and, and it's just, we go, man, I, I can't catch a break. It's just everything is against me. Everything. And I, and I just can't get a break. I feel battered. And when you and I feel battered and we're tense and we're uneasy, then we go easily from response mode to reaction mode. We're battered, and it's almost like an instant, instinctive response to whatever's going on in our world. It's that way to the people closest to us. It's that way to anybody. We're feeling battered, and that is the reality of the storm. So you and I need a place that we can look. We need some arms that we can jump into and have a trust and have a peace that comes from that. We also see the darkness of the night. It is dark, and they are terrified. I don't know if you've ever been on the water when it is dark and there aren't any lights. It can be terrifying, even when there's not a storm. I can remember being on some canoeing camping trips up in Canada, and we were, we were in two different sites. We divided our group in half because of the rules. You couldn't have X amount of people there, and so we'd eat a meal at one site and then go back to our site, and so it was our turn to be at the other site. And as we got back into our canoes to paddle across, it was pitch black, dark. And, and I was like, this is where, you know, in my mind I'm going, ah, you know, and I'm like with the kids, oh, it's no big deal, we'll just, you know, no, 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 you know, we canoed our way and got to where we unfortunately found our campsite. Being in the dark on a lake is terrifying. And then you add a storm to that. And there are times where you and I just are in a storm, and it's dark, there's no light, you don't have clarity, you don't, you don't know what's going on, uh, and, and you're, just, you're just terrified. You're, you're overcome with that. Never let the presence of a storm cause you to doubt the presence of God. No matter how dark it is, no matter how far you are, don't let it cause you to doubt the presence of God. It's interesting, Jesus knew, saw the disciples, and so he walks to them. He's aware that they're in trouble, and he is going to be present. And so he goes to them. When you and I in a storm, we may not feel it, but God promises to be present. Sometimes that's a part of the training of a storm. We don't feel that God's present, but he is present in the storm. Uh, then there's this declaration in the uproar. The, the storm is going. It is crazy. Here comes Jesus, and he's about to make this uh, declaration. And when he makes this declaration, it is going to calm everything. It is in a process. It doesn't happen immediately. We see Jesus get out there. Be still. It is I. You have nothing to fear. That language, it is I, ties to the idea that he is deity, that he is the Son of God. I am. He's be still. He's not yet said be still to the storm. He's saying be still to his disciples. You're in the storm and you can be still. Be still. I love uh, uh, Psalm 46. It says be still, be calm, see and understand that I am the true God. Sometimes when you and I are in storms, we have, to, we have to just calm down, even though everything's raging. 
We understand that the true God is with us, and it can calm us. Uh, I love, well, I don't necessarily know if I love, but I'm amazed when I see a crisis unfolding, and I see folks who have been trained like EMTs or doctors or nurses, and they, they just know how to step into that, and crazy stuff is going on, and they're just, they're just calm. The storm isn't over, but they're just calm. And because they're calm, they can think pretty clearly. They can, they can help the person. They can interact and move in that situation, in that storm. And God gives you and I, as we've said yes to Christ, as we get to know who he is more, we understand who he is more, and then we're able to trust him more. Along with this, there's the determination in the chaos. So we have this craziness going on, uh, this, 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 this storm going on. We're aware of it. We're not like pretending it's not existing. And it can stir us in certain directions. There can be a benefit from the storm. The storm can actually do things in our lives and through our lives. It can touch other people's lives. Now, this week I had an opportunity to sit down with Denny Landis. And, uh, you know, it's interesting when you and I show up on a Sunday morning, we don't know that probably every person here has a story. And it's not all, uh, you know, wonderful story. There are tough, hard things that happened in life. And yes, we don't always wear our heartaches on our sleeves, but we're not aware of it. Sometimes we look at a life and go, man, I wish my life was like that life. And you and I don't realize all the storms they've traveled through to get to that place. So anyway, Denny and I sat down, and I asked him if he would share some of his story. Uh, what we're going to talk about is a video we did this earlier this week, and this is going to cover about 30 years in three hours. No, 30 years in about 10 minutes. And so just listen in and hear the storms that come one after another, a few years in between. These are big storms and how he navigates through those, how he, how he has a determination in the chaos, and it stirs him to action. So let's watch this together. Thanks, Denny, for taking some time to share a little bit about your story. So what brought a nice guy like you to the Finger Lakes? Well, we were, we were looking for cheaper farmland, and uh, this was one area that was, that was definitely cheaper, yeah. How did that go? What what years did you kind of make your move up here and get going? I think it was soon after I got married, and it was 76. And uh, so we expanded quite rapidly. And rough years real, it got real dry, and we had some poor crops, and then the interest rates went up to 18, 20%. 18%, 20%. So when people are complaining about five or six, yeah. they don't know what they're talking they about, do they? Talking about. <laughs> That was in the 80s, yeah, and then that's when we were we had to sell the farm. Oh. So you, you made that hard transition, selling the farm, uh, getting into something else, being able to do the farming, and you have a growing family. And as you're getting back into family, into farming, uh, you, you sometimes share about this incident that took place with one of your sons. What, what was going on that weekend, and what happened? And There was an anniversary at church here. Uh, I'm not too sure which one it was, but... Uh, so my mother-in-law and my brother-in-law and sister-in-laws were up at our house to celebrate with us. And it had snowed the night before, so the kids wanted to go out and play in the snow. And this, that wasn't July. No, that was 
week before Thanksgiving. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The landlord came running in and said, Dennis, I need you now. So we went out, and here's Zach is laying in the corn alder, face down with his arm in the alder. Um, we, we got him out, uh, made a quick trip to Geneva, and they looked at him, and he said, no, we can't do nothing. So we got in the ambulance and took him to Strong and Rochester. Mm. And I remember, I can tell you this whole story, I can see it as plain as day. Anyway, we got to Strong, they took care of him. Uh, he shouldn't really have his arm, that auger should have never stopped. Uh, electric motor shut off. Uh, nothing was wrong with it. A few hours of operation, they it's basically cut off, cut off here and up here. So, wow. so right now he still has major scars right in these two spots. But uh, the doctors at Strong did an amazing job. Well, the hardest thing was when the nurse came out, we had signed papers, and she basically said, "If we don't operate, he'll die, and if we do operate, he could also die." Sign here. Obviously, you're captivated by this huge event taking place. How does God speak into a moment like that? I think it gave the prayer warriors something to pray pray for. Uh, our family kept the prayer warriors very busy. Uh, you're saying through the years. Through the years. <laughs> okay. Oh, it's just a miracle, really, that that altar stopped. I mean, why why it even happened? But it was a miracle that the altar stops. We've gone through, you know. Selling the farm, gone through something like this, and you're involved in a local church, and you're trying to follow Christ. Storms still form on the horizon and come into your lives. What was the next real big storm that uh, came into your lives? Well, the next one was about another four years. Uh, Jane was first diagnosed with breast cancer. She went through the chemo and the radiation and seemed to be in remission. Everything seemed to be going well. Praise the Lord, you know, she never never complained about nothing. And how, how, do you, how do you even stay on top of the water and not sink when you hear someone you love has cancer? Truthfully, I don't know how I, <laughs> I really don't know how I did stay on top sometimes. Mm. But I'm sure it was mostly, you know, prayer for me and prayer for the family. And then Jane, your first wife, she responded well, I guess, to the chemo and radiation and was in remission, trying to get back to normal, whatever normal is. And then just a few years later, all of a sudden, her hip starts bothering bothering her. What, what she just noticed that she had a little pain in her hip, and the doctor just kept on giving her, telling her to up the dose of ibuprofen. It finally got so bad that she, she said, I think the cancer's back. And we went to the doctor, then it was... It was in her hip and it was in her couple bones and in her liver already. What does a husband's conversation with God, how does that go? Where does it go? What do you say to him and what don't you say to him? You walk in a field and shake your fist a little bit at him yeah. every once in a while. What do you do? Before that happened, it was Christmas time and we always get a gift with a verse on it. And I'll read that verse. Sure. I received the, the verse courage, and as soon as I picked that up, I was ready to stick it back in the basket and get another one. Because the verse is Deuteronomy 3, 31, 6. Be strong and courageous, do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you, he will never leave you nor forsake you. 
And as soon as I read that, this this isn't good. This is going to be a rough rough year. Your wife battles cancer and it doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. No. She had a couple of operations. Put a rod in her leg and a plate in her hip because they had to do variation there, and that, that just wiped her right out. And then as soon as she started the chemo, she just couldn't handle it. How, how do you reconcile praying, asking for a miracle, asking God to, in a sense, calm and dissipate the storm? You um, had that already happen, and then this time, the storm still rages and do doesn't go away. How do you? stays calm inside, especially your kids are young, so you're trying to navigate that. that, that that's heavy lifting. Well, I, I think the kids just thought that she'd go through the radiation again and would be fine. Right. When we realized how bad it was, I knew that was only for a miracle it wouldn't mm -hmm. have saved her. And why things happen every so many years, yeah, I just God was trying to tell me something, but it's, I just wasn't getting it. But, uh, yourself, what kinds of things just helped you take one day at a time? So what you weren't probably thinking weeks at a time, it was just kind of one day, one incident, one moment. Uh, what kinds of things would, would help you in that kind of a storm to keep? Well, I, I think a lot of people, we had a lot, a lot of people praying for us. And uh, we received a lot, lots of meals. Uh, we were well, well fed in those days. You know, sometimes we talk about prayer. It's just something out there, but prayer is real, and prayer does change things, and uh, it can change the circumstances. You saw that with Zach, you, you know, getting up to the hospital, and people are praying, and they're able to save the arm, save him, and then, then other times, uh, prayer has to, in a sense, change our bearings, change our heart, and, um, you know, there are no emotionally satisfying answers in any of Sometimes I think maybe there's, well, for me, mm -hmm. uh, Sometimes there was too many people around. Mm. I just had a, I think there was a few Sundays I didn't even come to church. I just wanted to be alone, I guess. Yeah, and it's, it's hard because people want to show love. They don't know yeah. how to show it. So it's just it's just awkward. They don't, how do you help kids when they're hurting so badly after, after losing their mom? I don't know. I, I don't think I did a real good job. It would have probably been better if I would have died and Jane would have been. No, I, I could have done a, lot, done a lot better, but I met Angel. Uh, it's amazing how much she is just like Jane. Uh, very outspoken, strong-willed, a very good cook. And, she, and I always thought, how am I going to replace all these meals that I'm... And I think Angel has replaced quite a few of them. Yeah, storm may sound too dramatic, but you do have to navigate the blending of two families. Uh, Angel has a daughter and, and all of that. How, how do you... How do you look to Jesus in that kind of potential choppy water, maybe not a storm? How do you, how do, you do that, do you think? It wasn't really a storm, but it's amazing how God works because uh, Amanda was a, one of her first year in college, mm -hmm. and she wasn't real happy with her marriage. I, can, I guess I can say that. <laughs> so she wouldn't have went to Honduras if this hadn't happened. Mm -hmm. so she wouldn't have met Herman. We would have never gotten involved with Honduras. And, uh, so God does allow things to happen mm -hmm. that changes everything else but uh, and God can use storms or choppy waters to like redefine our lives and put us in a place that opens up opportunities we've, we've never yeah. seen so uh, no and you know then your 
ministry with healthy Nino, all those pieces started to fall into place. So how does how does knowing who God is help us to trust him as he is? We, we always know there's the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, we I often think, boy, I just don't have the right I don't have enough faith. Sort of like the walking in the water, right? Life continues, we have to just keep hammering it out and uh, we're just waiting for that day and Returns. In Revelation, we're told he'll wipe all those tears away, and uh, that will be a good day. And in the meanwhile, we just try to be faithful the best we can, and we don't always get it right. Hopefully, we get it right more often, and we grow in that. And as we discover who Christ is and God is, and then we can say, "Okay, He can help me walk in this, whatever this may be." Well, Denny, I really want to thank you for taking this time. I want to thank you for uh, the way you model life as a family. The husband. Uh, thank you for the way you're involved in our church. And uh, uh, you folks may not know this, but if, when sometimes you see the the the, the walkways, snow globe, that was Denny taking care of that. And really appreciate you doing those kinds of things. Uh, a lot of times under the radar, and that that means a lot to our church family. And and just it isn't just church family and family. It's it's community and what you do with Alpha of Concern. Uh, that's just amazing. So I thank you that uh, you're you're making a difference in people's lives. So really appreciate that. So thanks, Dan. Yep. Everybody has a story. Everybody has a story with storms. And uh, I know Denny felt uncomfortable accepting any praise. <laughs> But, uh, you know, he was able to learn how to navigate in those storms. Some storms, the storm went away. Uh, some storms raged, and the calmness had to come in his heart. So I really appreciate him sharing that. And uh, as he was sharing that, I was thinking of the story, obviously, of Peter walking on the water and all that's going on with that. And uh, when we're in those storms, we, we need to look, look for Jesus, look to Jesus, uh, sometimes that takes a little bit of work, a little bit of energy. Uh, sometimes uh, he is obviously right there uh, on the horizon for us. So we find that determination and the chaos can stir up these desires to uh, look for Jesus and to experience him. Uh, we also have to listen for Jesus. Uh, Jesus wants to speak to us in these moments. God wants to speak to us in these moments. And uh, real simply, I think he wants to give us two things. He wants to give us his comfort, but he also wants to give us a challenge. And for Peter, that challenge was to get out of the boat, get out of the comfortable place. And sometimes we you know, get after Peter because he starts to sink. He takes his eyes off Jesus and puts it on the storm. Um, but you got to remember, he got out of the boat. The 11 others stayed in the boat. <laughs> they weren't getting out. And uh, they didn't say, hey, can we go too? No, they, they were fine with where they were. And so Jesus in these storms stirs in us a desire to listen to him, to hear, to him, hear him, and uh, he offers us comfort and at the same time challenge, both at the same time. Uh, he also, uh, also stirs up the desire to or the, the need to obey him. Uh, there are sometimes we don't feel like responding the way he would have us to respond in a storm. Uh, Peter does go to Jesus. And uh, you and I need to take a posture in those storms, even though they're difficult, even though they're hard, to obey what he's saying to us. 
And uh, Denny may not come out and say it, but you see a life of obedience, following God, listening to God, and doing what he, what God would have him to do, even though there are moments I'm sure uh, he didn't feel like uh, doing any of those things. And then there's the, the stirring up of just walking with Jesus, staying close with him. Uh, in my life, when I go through a new storm, sometimes I have to relearn that, relearn that Jesus is a safe place. I, I, I love the fact that Jesus didn't hesitate to put his hand out to Peter. Not a hesitation. He didn't say, hey, come on, what's wrong with your faith? You know, you know, and let him sink a little farther. And sometimes the question I have to ask myself is, is um, how far do I actually have to sink before I actually call out to Jesus? You know, is it when the water's waste, up to my neck, up to my mouth, up to my nose, my eyes are gone? I don't know. When is that? Um, but again, that's stirring up. Uh, Simon Peter did not drown, and neither will you. And I don't say that in a cavalier way, because some of you may be right in the middle of a storm, and, and, and you go, Dave, you just don't understand. And Part of me just doesn't understand. It's something about being in the storm. You can talk about it. You can express it. You can explain it. But unless you're in it, it gets hard. But Jesus won't let you drown. Uh, so what do we do in response to this? We need to affirm that Jesus is all I need. They identify that Jesus is the Son of God, that his grace is sufficient in 2 Corinthians, we read, but he answered me. This is uh, Paul praying to God. The Father, he says, I, I need something delivered. I want to get out of this storm. But this is what uh, God says to him. My grace is always more than enough for you. And my power finds its full expression through your weakness. So Peter says, so I will celebrate my weakness. For when I am weak, I sense more deeply the mighty power of Christ living in me. And one of the ways that mighty power of Christ living in you and me when we're going through those storms is the way it overflows into the lives of others. So what do storms do? Storms carry us to Jesus and him to us. Storms carry us to Jesus and to him to us. So when we're going through a storm, just like last week when we said a failure, don't waste a good storm or a terrible storm or a horrific storm. Allow Jesus to come to you and you to go to Jesus. Also, storms confirm that Jesus is more than enough. Listen to that story of Denny. And those memories, those situations, some of them hurt. Some of them, he celebrates the way they turned away. Um... But he confirms that Jesus is more than enough. When you bump into him on a Sunday morning, you don't see him uh, underneath those storms. You see him surviving those storms and walking forward in those storms. And actually, those storms have given other people hope. And that's why, because storms point others to Jesus. Storms point others to Jesus. When you and I go through a storm, there's the possibility that what's happening to us can point someone else to Jesus. 
I love what uh, McManus says in Chasing Daylight. He says, imagine the power of our lives if we could know with confidence that when others see us, they would also see God, that God would reveal himself through an ordinary human being, that those who today are blind to God would have their eyes opened by the life each of us lives. And that includes storms. When we know who Jesus is, we trust Jesus as he is. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for transparency, and we thank you for Denny sharing some of the storms that he's traveled through. And we thank you for the way we see you being faithful in his life, and that he points to you. Father, no matter who we are, wherever we find ourselves in life, if we're in the middle of a storm, if we're coming out of one or one is on the horizon, help us to see how storms also reveal who you are. Help us to see that we can leap into your arms. And the more we know you, the stronger that trust and that confidence can be. So, Father, we understand storms are a part of life. I don't want to necessarily thank you for the storms, but I know in James we're told that they produce something in our hearts and our faith, and so for that we are thankful. So Lord, help us. Help us to lean into you, and may our leaning into you in the storms touch other people's lives. We ask all of this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen.